They may look stupid, our Klingon hosts. They're anything but. They regularly give us the choice to choose our pain. We can accept the beating ourselves or pass it on to our cellmates. It's our captor's way of keeping us from bonding. You seem conspicuously free from bruises. I've learned how to choose wisely. Don't judge. You're gonna want to stick with me. I'm a survivor, just like you. Hey everybody, welcome to Trek Trudge Discovery, episode, was it four or five? Five? Five. I think five. Episode My notes say four, but I, I think that's because I copied and pasted them. Yeah. That's wrong. Your notes are wrong. It's episode five. The Incorrect. Choose, choose your pain. Choose your pain. Uh... Ground groundbreaking episode, in so much it as it is, I believe the first toothbrush we're seeing. That's correct, and they're pretty fancy, huh? Yeah, they look. I wonder like, if they're um, like Sonic toothbrushes or something. That's what I was gonna say. They look like they might be Sonic, Sonic tube. They have like Sonic uh, showers, don't they? Yeah. So it's probably the same principle. Um. First toothbrush, first use of the word fuck in any uh, canon Trek property. Yeah, I think that's right. That's a, that's a big step. <laughs> One giant leap for <laughs> mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an appearance by Harcourt. Fenton Mudd, also known as Harry Mudd, yep. played not by Roger C. Carmel, but by Rain Wilson. Yeah, because I, I think Roger C. Carmel is probably dead. Well, I'm not sure about that, but let's why don't we check? It would be um, a fair guess. He died in 1986. Very long time ago. <laughs> he was only 54. Oh, that's that's too bad. Mm-hmm. So, I guess Rain Wilson should start being worried because um, <laughs> the the hairy mud curse is clearly the curse real. Of mud. Right. I um I'd like to open by telling you about a, a dream that I had last night. Oh, great. Um, I I had a dream wait, wait. that I was. Can I can I guess? Did sure. you dream that uh, you were in the this spore hub drive chamber, um, plugging the nodules into yourself? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't have anything to do with Star Trek. I just thought it was a good dream. Oh, oh, please share. Are you are you familiar with there? There's a game called um, Marble Madness. Uh, was that like a like a Windows game back in the day? Um, there was a version on the. NES. All right, I, don't, I have version. no idea. It was like you had to ro- move like a the world around. No, you had to move a marble around. Anyway, I was like in a giant version of that. So that you might be, you might think that was cool. That's really neat. Yeah, 
problem was that there was like um a bunch of people around within my marble um course and they were like having dinner this is good oh, well, it's good that's, content that, that, that's just really gonna like obstruct your path yeah it was weird because it was like part so, of the story of the game which didn't seem to have anything to do with the manipulation of a marble through a obstacle mm. course but um it's um so it clearly reflects uh in, in your psyche you feel that there are obstacles uh that are unrelated to uh, uh what you want to get done that are get, getting in your way maybe yep I'm not sure if uh i i ever buy those types of overly <laughs> like direct and literal dream interpretations <laughs> i mean maybe it doesn't have to be literal. I mean, like, if if something is weighing on you emotionally, then it makes sense that it would manifest uh, in your dream. That's true. You know, subconscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I'm still on the Roger Carmel page. Well, this one we open with a dream sequence as well, and we get mm-hmm. some nice uh, overacting from Senequa Martin Green. Mm-hmm screaming at herself yeah there was a, a little bit uh n- not since her days on the um walking dead the walking dead what, is there much screaming she... on that one at the zombies uh not really they're all pretty jaded not really towards the zombies mm. it's really the people that are the problem at this point uh i say they're pretty blasé about the zombies unless there's like a thousand of them then they worry then you got yourself a uh, Brad Pitt World War Z situation. Yeah, lots of like really rubbery um, CG zombies in, in giant piles. Yucky. Mm-hmm. So uh, broadly, what's the what's the verdict on this episode? Would you say? I thought it was uh, I thought it was a good one. Yeah, Overall. I'm inclined to degree. <laughs> I think um, um, maybe maybe uh, some some of the um, the Klingon prison stuff was was a little a little uh, little weaker. Yeah, yeah. Um, a friend of mine thought that it was too early to have a cameo. Specifically, the Harry Mudd cameo. Right. So it's like, you know, who who cares about him? We we've got a show to right. you know get on with. I don't think that's correct, a correct opinion, because they 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 seem to be establishing him as sort of a uh, an antagonist for the series. Yep, he'll so be back. The, I don't think I don't think it counts as a cameo. So who? Which friend is, is this? This was Caitlin. Um, Caitlin, you were wrong. Yep. You were very Incorrect. wrong. And then we, so we're introduced not only to Harry Mudd, but we have a new permanent cast member and crew yeah. member in Shazad Latif as Ash Tyler. Yeah, who's been in the credits this whole time, but it's like, wait a second, who is that guy? I don't mm-hmm. remember. Um, and <laughs> have you heard the, the theories? regarding Mr. Tyler? I have not. 
Okay. Well, like, I think it's very clear that something is sus about this guy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the working theory right now is that, well, just previously, uh, we said goodbye to a certain character who, you know, in IMDb only has three episodes credited and was played by an actor who has no other credits and no picture. Mm-hmm. So we're thinking maybe that that character, Vok, is in fact an alias for this this human man. You think, you think he's Vok? Or the other way around. Yeah, yeah. It's, he's, he's the Klingon. So like he used some kind of... Um... Well, you may recall, Byron, that in canon, mm-hmm. there is a way that um, uh, rubber forehead Klingons turn into human-looking Klingons, isn't mm-hmm. there? Yeah, because obviously there was the the spy in the trouble with Tribbles who just looked like a normal man, but uh, uh, it turns out that this man is a Klingon, Jim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this could be yeah. a Klingon, Jim. Chiefs. Exactly. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, we'll see how this plays out. I mean, it seems like it seems like it would be weird that um didn't he have like a private moment with the the lady Klingon? Yeah. And she said you will have to give up everything meaning he'll have to give up his Klingon forehead. Right. Look like a human and become one of them. But why was he in the in the jail? With the... Um because he's ingratiating himself with Captain Lorca. So it was just for when Lorca got there. He wasn't there prior to that. No. It's a ruse. A distraction. Distraction. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think I buy that, but we'll see. (laughs) I might eat those words. I I think that's that's pretty clear that that's where that's going. They tried to pull the wool over my eyes, but I'm too clever for them. maybe, Maybe it's what's happening... And I'm wrong that it's not what's happening, but even if it is what's happening, it's a dumb twist. So I'll say either it's not happening or it's a stupid <laughs> thing to do. So, Well, either way, there's there's clearly something up with this man. Like, awful suspicious. He's spent, what, seven months in in captivity with the Klingons? And, mm-hmm. like, what's his deal? What's his deal? Something's well, the deal there. He was sleeping with the Klingon lady. That was. That's not enough of an explanation for you. Oh, okay, sure. But why was he sleeping with her? I mean, she was attracted to him. She was like abusing right. her power, and kind of essentially, essentially, it was like a rape scenario, wasn't it? Um. Okay. Kind of like relationship under duress uh i mean you're you're probably not gonna achieve optimal like uh interpersonal relations uh when we're in a klingon prison ship Mm -hmm. was the klingon female whose name i don't know was she the same one that we saw in the prior episode okay i didn't really recognize her as that same character. 
for some that's, reason. That's racist. You're saying all Klingons look the same. No, I think she looked different. Oh. But I, I don't... Be, Gee, like, I, I think it's the same character. I, I didn't look I at feel, the I don't think synopsis. it is. I heard somebody... I mean, I talked to somebody at work about this episode, and mm-hmm. she said that somebody told her that it was the same character. And she didn't realize at the time either. But... No, I'm, I'm still skeptical. There's no way yeah, to confirm it. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, the the memory alpha hasn't um, updated with the uh, pl- plot synopsis yet, but mm-hmm. the cast list has Laurel prominently okay. placed. So, so I guess that fits with the theory that uh, um, this is Vok, in so much as that that would that would be a good reason he was. Um, he was sleeping Fucking with her. her. Yeah. And it seems like they were, they just established them as being sort of a, a pair. And now suddenly she's having some kind of weird thing with a human prisoner. So, so maybe that, yeah. maybe, maybe it adds up. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We'll just have to rewind the tape. When right, we find click, out click to this conversation. Step forward, step forward. Mm-hmm. Zoom in and enhance. Um, meanwhile, uh, some humans are getting up to some things in this episode as well. Um, uh, so the the drama over on the Discovery is over. Oh, uh, can we use the target grade even though we seem to be hurting it? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the, the the cute thing that um, I thought was uh, that since Lork has been kidnapped, obviously. Saru is now the acting captain. Yep. And he kind of pulls this sort of data-esque move of getting the computer to give him a list of um of captains and 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 what their um what their qualities were. Mm-hmm. The list of captains is like uh it's like it's like all people that we've met in in canon. You have all the Enterprise's captains. You've got Robert April, mm-hmm. who's the Enterprise's first captain. Uh, Christopher Pike, who's the Enterprise's second captain, mm-hmm. and Jonathan Archer, who was obviously the NX Enterprise captain, mm-hmm. um, and Philippa Giorgio is on there, and uh, Matt Decker, who was the captain of the USS Constellation, and mm-hmm. also uh, Will Will Decker from from the motion pictures father. Wow! So that's a connection. Yeah, that's a bunch of uh, memory alpha um, connections for you. By the way, I just realized my microphone was sort of tilted a little bit away from me, so now I'm going to be a little bit louder, and I'm just not very okay. good at uh, podcasting. So those surround sound listeners will will have to readjust. Yeah, I'm sorry, audience. I'm n- I, I mean, I guess I could isolate my own audio for the first, what, uh, 15 minutes of the podcast, and and boost it. <laughs> well, as a professional, this is what is expected of you. Yeah, but I, I probably won't do that. So I'm sorry, um, listeners. Uh, just turn maybe turn it down like a little bit, or <laughs> just right. Just, and or maybe now the, I just sound fine. And before you were struggling to hear me. Mm. You can that's, probably also hear. Good. I think leather um, or pleather chairs are not probably not great for podcasting because I feel like I they adjust kind of myself in my chair and I there's like a little like like 
That's like you got a, like a triple in there with you or something. You hear that? Uh, no, I cannot hear it. Well, the you will when you rewind the tape later. Great, good, good. Um, the, actually, the triple—that's another uh, factor in the um, in the Voc theory because in the trouble with triples, it's a triple that. Uh, gets scared of the Klingon spy and starts squeaking that gives him away. Oh. So um so Captain Lorker has a triple in his mm-hmm. office and now Ash Tyler is is on the discovery, maybe he'll yeah. meet that triple. Then I will look for that that beat. Mm. That plot marker. How's it gonna go? Nobody know. Um in this episode, uh, it is also revealed that Paul Stamets is the chief engineer. We didn't know that to this point. Yeah, and um, conversely, that um, his partner, whose name I always forget... Hugh uh, Colber? Colber. Yeah, Dr. Colber is not the chief medical officer. So we haven't met the chief medical officer yet. Right. So what is uh, Colber's title role well he would just be a medical officer i guess he's a lieutenant commander or okay so he's uh i wonder who the chief medical officer is interesting yeah they're just sort of drip feeding us uh the actual like the, the primary crew and why wasn't he on hand in any of these you know critical scenes of medical emergency such as you know when um uh, Rekha Sharma's character was all torn to shreds by the water bear. And how do you even know if it's a he? I think we, I think these days you can have a, a lady doctor it was, just as easily. It was a, it was a sexist comment. <laughs> I apologize unreservedly. unreservedly. One might even recall a lady doctor in Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, no, don't recall. Sorry. Okay. I've never seen that show. That's fine. Um, so, uh, what else to talk about? Um, I, we, we get a little bit of, uh, a more of an explainer with how the spore drive works, um, which I guess is not tremendously interesting, but just the, um, the, uh, species, uh, is made of exotic matter that extends into subspace, into its own discrete, discrete domain called the mycelial network. So that's, that's how that one's hand waved away mm-hmm. it's a subspace subspace um subspace. and the the gang has been uh running unsanctioned spore drive tests because they um they don't want to use the uh the the tardigrade tar- anymore yeah um and uh, so Stamets finally gets to talk to his mushrooms in the end. So I guess that's that's full full arc for him because he said mm-hmm. in one of the previous episodes that he always wanted to talk to his mushrooms because he's such a big mushroom dork. Mm-hmm. And now he gets to plug himself in and talk to the mushrooms. But it comes at the cost of uh, being um, uh, tremendously injured. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, uh, yeah, he has that weird like. Uh mirror he he's like he's in his reflection doesn't stays in the mirror 
Yeah, that's fucked up, huh? Sort of like, in, um, I think it happens I, in uh, Poltergeist 3. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That, that was meant to be about, what, um, ghosts in your TV? No, it was. this one was in the skyscraper. And, oh, uh, boy. Yeah. The stakes are raised. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we, we also learn in this one, uh, you remember Lieutenant Commander Freezer from, from yes. Dragon Ball Z? We Somehow name, in this series. Right? Yeah, Arium. Arium. I think we can we can just keep calling her Frieza. Yeah. So and it is a female apparently. Yeah, because we get some lines as well, and it's a it's a lady's voice, and a female actor is credited. How do you spell Arium? A I R I A M. A I R I A M. Here we go. Ariam. Yeah, looks just like Frieza. Lieutenant Commander Ariam was a female Starfleet science officer who lived during the mid-23rd century. She served aboard USS Discovery. Um, uh, StarTrek.com described Ariam as being a synthetic human hybrid. However, Ted Sullivan tweeted that she was an alien. After Trek, episode 3 describes her species as augmented alien. Okay, that makes more sense augmented alien yeah like general grievous right or um darth vader yeah just like doc vader <laughs> the saw saw guerrera um yes robocop he's got legs it's just like robocop mm-hmm. um oh this is funny um uh when um Saru is talking to the computer uh, about, uh, well, he's asking it to um, tell him how, how he does because he's worried that there is a, an element on the ship that is causing him to doubt himself. The computer recommends that he eliminate the destructive element, so basically yeah. kind of advises him to murder uh, Burnham, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's that's funny. Um, uh, oh, so over on the on the prison ship, uh, the Klingon guards they they say the the title of the episode, and that's the only words that they seem to say. And they say it very like staccato. Choose your mm-hmm. pain. Um, what I uh, maybe thought would be an interesting point to raise here is: Do you know anything about the structure of the Klingon language? No. So it was constructed to be an object verb subject language if I'm not mistaken which mm-hmm. means that whereas in English uh, you would say I eat hot dog in um, uh, Klingon uh, the order would be hot dog eat I mm-hmm. and That's... this order was chosen by Mark Okren who designed the Klingon language just because it doesn't make any fucking sense to humans and almost no human languages have this word order Mm-hmm. It's very, very alien. It sounds yeah. like the hot dog's going to eat me. Yeah, and that's fucked up. It's a terrifying, terrifying inversion of expectations. Yeah. So I, I thought it might have been cute if the Klingons had said, pain choose, uh, pain choose your... Mm-hmm. No, that's not right. Your pain shoes, or whatever. Um, but uh, that that might have been uh, a bit over folks' heads. 
and uh, I, I guess it makes sense that they would be uh, speaking slowly if there's if they're speaking in this alien tongue that has the words backwards anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I guess that's something a question about like the universal translators is do they like correct for grammatical um yeah alterations oh sure they do so, is that what yeah, that's, what that's, is happening that's uh, part of there uh no no universal translators in this episode because Laurel um uh and um Lorca when they're talking to each other he he compliments her on her english that's right okay yeah do you want to talk about Harry Mudd? Oh boy! So um, Harry Mudd is everyone's favorite character from the original series, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he typically has like a kind of a twirly mustache in those series, but I guess we're seeing a younger Harry Mudd who is also in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why we kind of get the full beard treatment. Yeah. Um, what, what did you think of Rainson's performance? It's pretty good. I mean, he's like one of those guys that it's always, it's always a little bit of Dwight Schrute. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, that's Rain Wilson. That's Rain Wilson. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a little bit, um, colorful, like kind of broader performance. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but when you're playing a character such as this, I guess that you can't really avoid that. Yeah, it's kind of like a a blustering, um, pompous, um, cantankerous guy. Yeah. Doesn't he have like um, sex slaves or something? Yeah, so he he was uh, selling mail-order brides when we first meet him in the original series. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget what the gimmick was there, even though I only watched the episode recently. Um, uh, I I just recall that the episode was very sexist, and I think um, uh, one of the beautiful mail-order brides decided that she wanted to live with this um, angry, lonely miner. Mm-hmm. And be his wife. Yeah, because that sounds that sounds great. What woman want wouldn't want that? Right. Well, um, so, the heart so, the heart wants what the heart wants. <laughs> that's right. To quote the great Woody Allen. Yep. Who um, <laughs> definitely wanted what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's clearly going to be back. Um, he'll, he'll presumably cause some, some trouble for the, for the discovery at a later Mm -hmm. point. We've even seen a glimpse of that in one of the trailers, I think. Um, did you notice that, uh, the establishing shot of the discovery in this episode seems to be the same every time? That's okay with me. I think the ship looks, Eh. looks the same. Do you think they should have at least like changed the stars? Well, it was like the same shot hovering in front of the same planet. I think. Um, oh. I wonder if that was um, a cost-cutting measure or whether 
that was that was just oh fine we'll do it this way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. They I said they weren't strapped for cash in this one. I don't yeah. Think. Well, they have a I think a budget of eight million per episode, but I, I imagine that's an average of the total, and they probably spend more on some some episodes than than others. You think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So, uh, uh, in the in the in the prison, uh, we get some more ruses. Uh, did you um, pick up that Lorca let slip that intel about the discovery almost immediately to Tyler? He said, "Oh, my my ship's not like other ships; it can appear and disappear like a ghost." Um, I did. I don't. I probably didn't and, uh, pick up the significance of it. But I remember well, yeah, the I line. Thought, like, um, that's a that's a dumb move. You don't give away intel to someone you've only just met on yeah. a Klingon prison ship when it was a test. furthermore people might be listening in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was a test so that when he was later interrogated, uh, Laurel dropped that same line about disappearing and appearing like a ghost. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so he knew, well, someone was listening. Mm-hmm. Still don't know if it was that smart a move. Yeah, because you think you maybe give some fake intel. Yeah. Like, we we can uh, we're, transform into a giant robot in space. Like a mech, mecha Star, which, Star Trek guy. Which would be really dope. That would be really, really awesome. Somebody should get on this. Yep. Like Voltron or something. Please. <laughs> Star Trek Voltron. That's, that's where the true Star Trek spirit lies. Yeah. Not I was about to this, launch into a, uh, a Klingon series. imitation, by the way, and I, I decided oh. against it. So <laughs> if you listen back, you'll hear me start to make like a guttural sound. And then you start talking and I stop and I'm, I never nope. pick it up again. It would have been really racist. N- no. Would have been... Speciesist. So, um, they do like an acid attack on, <laughs> on, um, on. Oh, on Laurel is Laurel. Um, is this when the disruptor blast kind of hits her a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, presumably, um, they'll change her makeup. Yeah. So it's interesting. I think they seem to be setting her up as like a. Uh, as a series antagonist, or at least a season antagonist, like she's even will have like a scar that she can blame on Lorca. Mm-hmm. So we, we're setting up Mud. We're setting up um, Laurel. Is that it? Mm-hmm. That's and right. We're, we're setting up um, Tyler. Tyler Vok. It's all. Um, it's all coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, did you find it kind of astonishing when they instantly turned the tables on their uh, Klingon captors? Um, it just made me think like they're really well trained um, in combat. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they also had the element of surprise, if you recall. That's that's right. The, yeah, because the who would expect a man who's just been beaten up really badly to then beat you up really badly? Yeah. So, a lot of the tension in this episode revolves around um, Saru 
um, being sort of indifferent to the plight of the tardigrade and yes. insisting they continue to uh, exploit it to try to rescue the captain. Yeah, because um, he's trying his best to be a good captain. Mm-hmm. But as a result, he's kind of missing some, some crucial points. Right. Um, he's, a, he's a good boy who tries his best, but... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't always work out for him. Um, we also learn from his little heart to heart with um, uh, Burnham that uh, he's he's not just motivated by um, his fear that she is dangerous, but also by his uh, resentment that she kind of um, uh, put a put a jam in the works of his his career advancement because mm-hmm. if she had not been all mutinous, then she could have moved on to her own command. And when um, uh, Giorgio retired, he could have taken command of uh, the Shenzhou. Um, I thought that he had wanted more to be the first officer under Giorgio to learn from her. Oh, yeah, I got it backwards. Yeah, that's what he wanted. And then maybe eventually captain. to be the... The, the first officer, and then uh, he would have been ready for command. Mm-hmm. But, subsequent um, to that. But that's okay. I had a thought about um, Saru, and his, mm. specifically around his uh, threat ganglia. Mm-hmm. I was, I'm surprised that um, that his species don't have like modesty uh, customs around the threat gang- ganglia. Oh, yeah. Like, I would think they would wear like a like a head wrap or something to to keep mm. those in. Maybe the, it's considered um, uh, like socially desirable to let everyone know if you think something wrong's going on. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, a, like, like a it's like the yeah, like signaling like um, how the uh, hadrosaur has the crest that it can you know blow noise out of. Mm-hmm. Uh, to let everyone else know that something's wrong. So they, they're all such cowards that they appreciate, even when their own threat ganglia might not go off, that somebody else's might be yeah. going off. Do or if they might kind of like misfire, it's the, the equivalent of them like pissing their pants. <laughs> well, you would think that somebody else's threat ganglia going off would be enough of a trigger for your own threat ganglia. So do they have like like um uh is it like sneezing like if one person oh yeah like i mean like, yawning um, sorry not contagious sneezing. yawning <laughs> yeah yeah contagious <laughs> sneezing isn't contagious unless like you're working in the mm. in the pepper factory maybe yeah but uh yeah contagious yawning contagious uh threat ganglia possibly it sure is a mysterious mechanism could you imagine like if there was like a you were in like a at a like a concert full of um, Saru's. Mm-hmm. And then like... Uh, they it, sang that we're at the Bataclan Theater. <laughs> no, it was not, no. I was not going to go there. Not I'm just, I was like in a big crowd. Like, yep. uh, and like if one person's threat ganglia went off for whatever reason, even if it was like somebody stepped on his foot, then mm. you would think that that would trigger the threat ganglia of every surrounding person and then it would radiate radiate outward like a wave of threat ganglia across the entire Uh crowd and then you get a stampede 
Maybe. They seem to be mm. pretty... I mean, Saru seems to handle his th- threat ganglia pretty cool, coolly. Yeah, he's a, he's a cool customer. Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, with Saru that we keep getting uh, some more xenoanthropology in this episode. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically of when uh, Lorca and his new friend, Mr. Tyler, new BFF, escape from the Klingon prison ship uh, and fly away in a Klingon, you know, thing, fighter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, Saru uh, is there in the Discovery and, and they see this this escape happening and they think, well, should we fire on them? And he has his prey instincts and he observes that uh, one of the ships is flying in an erratic flight path and the rest of the ships seem to be uh, pursuing it in a manner reminiscent of predators pursuing prey, as in one will give direct chase and another group will try and head them off yeah. at another point. Yeah. Which is how like hunting dogs do things. and mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is another instance of what I mentioned in a, in a previous cast where uh, we have different cultural perspectives being invaluable uh, to solving problems. Yeah, it's good. It's good writing. It's a fun lesson yeah. to learn. Mm-hmm. I like it too. Love it. Um, uh, I've got, I've got a note at the end here. So we we finally let the uh, tardigrade free at the end because he's kind of kind of said nope and gone into tardigrade uh, extremophile hibernation mm-hmm. and shed all the water from his body. And they put him in the, like the the torpedo chute or whatever to to send him off. And I just thought of like the the Wrath of Khan scene where uh, Kirk gives the speech. And it, in, in, in this case, to paraphrase, it would have been, of all the souls that I have known in all my years, his was the most tardigrade. <laughs> Very good. Very yep. good. They disappointed me by not including that, that speech, but oh well. Maybe in the director's cut. Right. Yep. Then shoot him into space. Yeah. Apparently, we also uh, meet a character named Rise in this episode. Isn't that Reese? Is it Lieutenant Reese? Reese. Uh, it's like a Welsh name. Uh, like John he, Rise Davies. No. He's the chief tactical officer. This is our replacement for Landry. Okay. Uh, it, it's Reese Davies, isn't it? Is Jonathan it Jonathan Reese Davies? I, I, I just never, never knew how to pronounce it. Uh, so this might be a guy that uh, later like says lines, or um, he might just continue to be ensign background. Yeah, probably just a background guy. Probably not worth bringing up. Yeah, like we don't even meet our chief medical officer yet. Maybe yeah. the chief medical officer is Bones. We Whoa. don't know what Bones was doing back Whoa. down this time, do we? That's true. That would be a big reveal, big surprise. Probably not be well received. Probably not. Mm. Uh, I, I wanted to this episode uh, uh, also discuss something that has been kind of uh, bothering me with with the reception of both this show and its its Seth MacFarlane rival, mm-hmm. um, which is I think that unfortunately uh, it's the reception has now become polarized on like political lines. Ooh, uh, interesting. Which which is not to say that people are just. Um, saying that they like it because of 
because of one reason or another, it seems like you're actually watching a different show depending on your view. Because like when I hear like bros talk about the Orville on YouTube, mm-hmm. it's a different show to the one I watched. Yeah. Like they they talk about these, you know, great characters and, oh, it's, yeah, it's funny, but it's also this great drama and it's got mm-hmm. the true spirit of Star Trek in it. It looks great. It looks just like Star Trek. It's got that feel. It, none of that clicks with me at all. Yeah. Uh, and specifically with Discovery, something that a lot of reviewers seem to say is that they don't find Burnham likable or relatable. Mm-hmm. Because she's like a woman of color. Well, that's the that's the kind of the substrate. Do you find her to be a, a likable, yeah. relatable character? Yeah, I do. I do. I I feel yeah. like she's someone who fucked up mm-hmm. uh, and now has to kind of ha- deal with being a person who fucked up majorly. And I I find that relatable. And I yeah. I don't think she's like obviously she was raised by Vulcans, so she's like a little cool about how she handles things. Mm-hmm. But um, like at no point in the show have I been like oh, I don't relate to this character. It seems like these people are watching a different show to me, and I, I think that that's a shame. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's incredibly subjective. Um, yes. And, and people are going to relate to or not relate to who who they want, I guess. But it, it is hard to, hard to sort of... Um, it's sort of like you, you know that if it was, if it was like, you know, another white male captain or something like that this Mm -hmm. wouldn't be the conversation you know it's like yeah but it's 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 hard to prove it's awfully suspicious yeah Uh, and i i did hear one reviewer like even say you know oh well uh janeway was a woman but at least she was like a a a likable woman who earned our respect that's like Mm -hmm. She's uh, white. Okay, man. Okay. <laughs> she was a woman, like, but at least she was white. She, she, she didn't. She was a woman who didn't like challenge you in any way. She yeah. just kind of like said nice things and mm-hmm. right. Sure. Yeah. But it, it's. I agree with you. I think it is. is there's a. I mean, there's sort of like an element that sees any diversity in casting at all, and it's just like immediately. Oh, every they're all token characters. This is just what is it? Virtue signaling. And then everything has to go th- through that filter from there on out. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, we you know, not for nothing. We actually do have a another just white dude <laughs> captain uh, of the ship. Yeah, he, he's right there, but he's uh, like Captain War Crimes. Right, right. <laughs> but um, uh, and oh gosh, like I mean, we we learned that he blew up his first command with everyone still on it. Mm-hmm. This week, like Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty bleak. Wow. He didn't he didn't go down with the ship. Is that a um? Is that still a tradition in uh, in Starfleet? Like the captain has to go down with the ship. You'd think that uh, it would be like. I think in so far as like you don't examine it too much. Yeah, probably. Like mm-hmm. you know, Pic- Picard is like this. Oh. I'm a like a like a buccaneer of old. Like I I like to go onto the holodeck and dress as an old ship captain, and mm-hmm. like, like they're all kind of like chivalrous in that way. So I'm yeah. I'm sure there would be a a kind of captain goes down with the ship kind of ethos. But I think IRL doesn't make necessarily a whole lot of sense. Right. I I guess uh, the the sentiment of oh the 
the captain should like you know be 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 sacrificing in how he he deals with uh the, the safety of his ship and his crew that that's that's solid sentiment but it's not uh literal mm-hmm. it's not it's not literally uh you have to get blown up when the rest of the ship does right all right anything that's what uh, i think anything else we need to uh cover yeah i did um learn something else today about the old star trek discovery i learned mm-hmm. that they've already got tie-in novels that they've released really yeah real quick huh uh and you might think well what could they possibly tie into well we had seven years on the shenzhou that we didn't see yeah that's true so for heaven's sake you could write a whole series of books there um mm-hmm. uh so I, I i think what i will do is is i'll get me hands on this first one and i'll mm-hmm. uh, i'll report back on it that's a good at idea at some point yeah it's um is that what desperate hours is that what it's about it's a, it's set on the Shen, shenzhou yeah i think it's an early uh mission after um burnham joins the crew and has to prove herself to Giorgio. Mm-hmm. sounds good yeah so, so that was this week on star trek yeah, discovery about does it um i guess we forgot to talk about um uh harry mudd's strange spider pet oh do we need to not really he has a strange spider <laughs> pet um <laughs> who, that's enough who lives through the episode i think so presumably yeah. we'll come back He's thrown against the wall, but uh, he seems pretty Ouch. tough. Doesn't yeah, doesn't kill it. Yeah. Okay. Well, James, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk about Star Trek Discovery with me. No problem, Byron. Appreciate the uh, the gesture. And um, mm-hmm. listeners, thank you for for sticking it sticking it out with us through forty about forty six minutes probably. Just assuming yeah. like some of the stuff I cut out. We're at the 40, 40 set, 48 minute mark here. But um, this is really boring. Sorry. <laughs> uh, so next week we have, let's see, what's the next episode? Oh, who could we possibly have to cam? Who would be the dumbest cameo to have next week? Scotty. Um, <laughs> Scotty. <laughs> next week's episode is called Leith. L-E-T-H-E. Like T-H-E. Okay. I don't know what that that is. Yeah. Mysterious. Oh, it looks like Leith is a character in um, the original series. Oh, hot damn. I smell a cameo. Could be a cameo. Okay. Well, let's see. We'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, Next week on Star Trek. I mean, Trek Trek. (laughs) Discovery. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, See you later, James. See ya. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>